0: about how, as a believer, one of the marks that we are is God's Spirit has come to live in our bodies, that our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we were talking about the fact that it's not the building where the church meets that's holy, it's the body of the individual believer that is the holy temple of God. What's really interesting is when Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians and he calls our body the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about the whole big temple that was there in his day. He's talking about the innermost sanctuary of the temple, which God was dwelling in the Old Testament before he came, and now we become the sanctuary. He's talking about the Holy of Holies, it's called, and that's where God dwelled, and that's the curtain that burst in two when Jesus died on the cross, and he's saying, you see, our bodies are now, the naos, the holy of holies, where God lives. And this is the place where he's come to reside and to make his home. And therefore, it's really strategically important that you and I take that seriously. And I think when I came to recognize, I knew that I'd received Christ, and I knew that he was in me, but the fullness of that reality did not come to me until I was later. I was a boy when I trusted Christ, and I was a young man in my 20s. When I came to understand the fullness of the fact that Jesus Christ actually lives in me, that the eternal God of heaven has made his abode by his spirit in me, and that he's not only the eternal one, he is the internal one. And uh, we're now his property because of that. First Corinthians 6.19 says, You're not your own, but you have been bought with a price. So Ephesians 1.13 adds to it, You were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. You see, God put his seal upon you. In In ancient days, the king would have a seal on his documents, and it was usually a ring that he would put into hot wax, and that wax would harden, and there would be his seal. That was the guarantee that it was from the king. And God has put his seal upon the believer. What is that? His Holy Spirit that he's put within us. That's the seal. That's the evidence. That's the, the reality of his presence. And he says, also we've been bought with a price. For he said that when we, you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. That price that was paid was Jesus dying for us. Peter described it when he says in First 1 Peter 1.18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ. We were created by God and bought and paid for by Christ's death on the cross. So you see, Christ made us, and now he's remade us if we've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And also, uh, we've been given a glorious purpose by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, the Bible says, glorify God with your body. Our body should be uh, committed to glorify and serve him, and our eyes are to exhibit his love, and we're to look On things that please him, our lips are to speak his word, our ears are to hear his voice, and our cry of human need. Your mind is to think his thoughts, and your hands are to touch and be used in acts of God, and you and I are to walk his pathway, God's desire that Christ would be exalted in his body, whether by life or whether by death, for he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And also our body is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8:11, we read, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. God said, I've given you the power to live this Christian life, the power to do what you do. Let's suppose that someone bought you a brand new car, a beautiful new car. And there it is, shiny and bright, and it's there. And you get out there, and you try to push it. And you bring some friends, and they help you push it, but it's, it just doesn't work very well. You say, well, you know, it takes all our energy, and we can't get anywhere. We can get places better on our own without the car. But you see, that's not the way a car is built to be used, for you to push it. We're to get in the car, turn on the motor, and the power is there, to make it run. And that's the Christian life. We're not to do the Christian life ourselves. We're not to live for Christ ourselves. We are to let Jesus, through his spirit, be in the driver's seat. He turns on the power of his spirit, and he lives through us. And he gives us life, and he enables us to live the life that he wants us to live and to do the things that he wants us to do. And we're enabled by his spirit. And, for example, If uh, you need wisdom, you ask, and His Spirit gives it to us. If you need love, you ask, and He loves through you. If you need patience, you ask, and He gives you patience. This is all the fruit that His Spirit produces and the things that He does through us. i found in my life that so many times, if I depend on myself, I will not see the outcome that I want. But if I depend on His Spirit... He's able to do what I could never do, and he's able to enable me to do what I could never do. And when God uh, does that, it's an amazing reality. And the Bible says that he will eventually one day raise our bodies at the last trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise, the Holy Spirit will raise us, the mortal will put on immortality, and we'll get even a new body as well as a new life. So the Spirit's purpose is to give us spiritual life in every way, every day, and our purpose is to give God's Spirit a home in which he can live. Now, there are several warnings in Scriptures to the believers about how they should treat God's Spirit living in us. First of all, the Bible says we should not grieve him, Ephesians 4.30. Now, you can only grieve somebody who loves you. If somebody doesn't care anything about you or even know you, they're not going to grieve over anything that happens to you. But if they love you and you're hurting it hurts them. And God is hurting when we sin against Him. He loves us. He wants the best for us. It it hurts Him when He sees us failing and faltering and He sees us not experiencing His best and being used by Him. So He says, Don't don't grieve this don't grieve my spirit. He lives in you to guide you. Let Him have His way. And then He says also in First Thessalonians five nineteen, Don't quench the spirit. Now when you quench something, you put it out, it's like a fire and you you get some water or a shovel full of dirt and you put it on that fire and you quench it out and you stop it. And when we quench the spirit, the spirit is working in our lives and we resist him, we refuse him. For example, maybe he is challenging us to read our Bible regularly, but we just stubbornly won't do it. And so we're resisting and quenching the spirit and he can't do what he wants to do. Maybe he's putting on our hearts to share with someone at work or someone in our neighborhood or family about about his love for them, but we just won't do it. We're hesitant or afraid, and we're quenching his spirit. We're keeping him from doing what he really wants to do. I hope that you're understanding better some, some of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, and I hope that you will understand it in a way that will help you grow. God bless you. Have a great day.